what's better in life than a bottle of wine, great food, and an amazing conversation? My name is Kate Sullivan, and I am the host of To Dine For. I'm a journalist, a foodie, a traveler, with an appetite for the stories of people who are hungry for more. Dreamers, visionaries, artists, those who hustle hard in the direction they love. I travel with them to their favorite restaurant to hear how they did it. This show is a toast to them and their American dream. Thank you to the sponsors of To Dine For The Podcast, American National and Spiritless. To Dine For The Podcast is brought to you by American National, offering a broad suite of insurance solutions to protect what matters most to you. For 115 years, American National has remained committed to helping people and communities make a real difference in their lives. American National supports great local community organizations led by the kind of people you hear about on To Dine For, people who are inspired to make a difference and inspire others in return. American National's philosophy is helping where it's needed helps us all. For a description of the American National companies, the products they write, and the states in which they're licensed, visit AmericanNational.com dine. Before we get to the podcast, I want to share the story of three young women who are carving their own path in the beverage industry. They started a company called Spiritless. Their first product is called Kentucky 74, and it's a non-alcoholic bourbon. You can use it as the base for so many delicious mocktails or drink it by itself on the rocks. What I like to do is go halvesies, meaning you mix it with a foolproof bourbon to lower the ABV in your cocktail. I put a little honey, cinnamon, and an orange slice, and it is truly delicious. If you'd like to enjoy an evening cocktail with no guilt, you can use promo code to dine for to get free shipping. Welcome to To Dine For The Podcast, where we meet the world's most fascinating and innovative minds at their favorite restaurant. On today's podcast is Courtney White. I just think food really gets you through, whether it's a day, a week, a month, just giving you that sort of placeholder to look forward to and that hope. Courtney is the president and founder of Culinary Care, a Chicago-based nonprofit organization using the power of food to help people survive cancer which she launched when she was just 24 years old. The inspiration? Barry White. No, not that Barry White. Barry is her father, and his cancer diagnosis changed everything for Courtney and really allowed her to see the power of food and a great meal to lift one's spirits. Culinary Care has now provided thousands of meals to people going through treatment. Delicious meals from restaurants, hand-delivered, to people who are in the midst of the hardest time of their life. Please enjoy my interview with Courtney White. Courtney, it is so great to see you on this Tuesday morning. Thank you so much for being on To Dine For The Podcast. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's really, your story's amazing, um, but I'd really like to hear a little bit about where you're from and how you grew up. Yeah, um, I'm from the north suburbs of Chicago, I grew up, I mean, I think pretty much everything was centered around food in my house. <laughs> so, And why was that? Was someone a good cook? Was there an interest in restaurants? Or what, what was it about? What kind of food? And where, where did that come from? So for my dad, it was always something where, you know, I, I grew up eating breakfast and we would talk about what we were having for lunch. So I think it was really just, he was always about the experience and, you know, just having that time to sit down and relax. And it was, I think that mindset of 
we all have to eat to survive. And so why not make it something that is enjoyable and not just grabbing, you know, a protein bar to, to get through the day, being able, we were fortunate to be able to go out to restaurants and have those experiences and, you know, just make sure that every, every meal was a time to connect and be together. And I don't know, my mom loved to cook and is a great cook. And so I think that also trickled down into me. So I always cooked as well. And I remember we had like stir fry Fridays, which I'm sure my family got very sick of because (laughs) the same thing that I could only make that. (laughs) Isn't it funny that you really have to be taught that you have to be taught that food is a moment of connection. It's a time to celebrate. Otherwise, it does become something that just you just have, you know, not everyone has that philosophy towards food. It really begins in the home. So that's really amazing that that was, you know, how you grew up. Um, I always start every podcast with asking the guest where their favorite restaurant is, or if you had to name one restaurant that you would take me to, if we could be doing this in a restaurant, where would it be? Oh, gosh, that's a hard one. I always, I always switch it up. Um, I do love, I do love Athenian room (laughs) over on, on Webster and Holstead. And why would you choose that restaurant? I love the food, but I also just love that. It's just an easy place to go. Like, you know what to expect and you know that you can sit down, enjoy a meal. And it's just, just, just a place that I feel like I have, I have good memories of. So I love it. I love it. Sometimes it's about the comfort, right? Some restaurants just make you feel comfortable and you've been there a million times, you know, no frills, no frills. Yeah. I get to anywhere I can sit outside. I also love. So (laughs) awesome. Awesome. Well, you launched culinary care in what year? Uh, 2013. Okay. Can you explain what culinary care is and how you started it? So, I mean, I guess it really sort of goes back to how I grew up. But then in 2006, as I was heading into my senior year of high school, my father lost a seven-month battle with lung cancer. Mm, I'm so sorry. And so, yeah, thank you. It was just such a crazy time. And I remember, you know, from the minute he was diagnosed until he passed away, food was never something that my family had to worry about. And I just, you know, growing up with food being such a big part of our lives and being able to always look forward to coming together as a family around a meal and, um, you know, having that be something that, that sort of always got us through the day. I can't imagine what our lives would have looked like if, if we didn't have friends and neighbors who had stepped in and made sure that we didn't have to worry about food. So they had meals at our doorstep, meals we could take with us to treatment. And it was just something that that we could always look forward to always leave the hospital or go to the hospital with something to enjoy. So that was really the inspiration for it It was, I was thinking back, you know, after I graduated college was really looking back on that experience and, and the food was the one thing that just, you know, out of everything going on, the one thing that I can look back and actually smile about was we got to sit and take time to be with my dad. And, you know, we, we knew he might not, his diagnosis was, he either has five months or potentially five years to live. And so, you know, we knew that we might not have all the time in the world with him. And so being able to sort of savor every moment and be able to sit down and share a meal with him and have that sort of sense of normalcy was really, really important. And and the one thing that I just remember really making the experience so much better. And I just think that no one should have to go through that alone and not be able to have that same opportunity. So 
And so culinary care, what it does is you try to do and replicate what happened when your father was going through treatment in that you provide wonderful restaurant quality meals to families who are going through very difficult times. Is that correct? Or how would you define it? Yeah. I mean, that's exactly it. Everything is actually not only just chef made, it's literally prepared by local restaurants. You know, when we started the organization, I considered, you know, just how do I, how do I get somebody a meal and you know, what will that meal look like? And just how do I help and just offer the same gesture that my community gave to me, like, how do I just give that to somebody else and, and just let them know, like, I'm here for you. I'm thinking about this really just basic thing that I think that you should really have and enjoy. And just, you know, decided that maybe as much as I love to cook, cooking for strangers, <laughs> it looks a little different. Right. And so I was like, I don't know if they'll like my food as much as, as much as I do. So we work with local restaurants. They prepare everything right now. And we actually learned this after I started the organization, um, we started getting requests from patients that were actually in treatment. So they were in sitting in the hospital and they were requesting that we deliver them a meal there. And we just learned through that experience that you actually do not get any meal services from the hospital when you're receiving outpatient care, Mm. but you are still there. I mean, some of the families that we serve are sitting in the hospital for 12 to 15 hours with just in a day with no, I mean, the expectation is that, oh, you're coming from home, you know, you can prepare a meal and bring it with you or, oh, we've got restaurants nearby. But I know for my family, when we were visiting my dad at the hospital, we were there to visit my dad at the hospital, not go out and dine out and like go sit at a restaurant without him. (laughs) Right, exactly. You wanted to be with him and you wanted to have uh, delicious food with him. Talk to me about the scale, because when you started this, what was your degree in in college? Mine was communications. Okay. So So, I didn't have like a nonprofit studies or. So you started when you got out of college, you wanted to start this business and you really wanted this to be your career, correct? Um, I honestly wasn't sure at that exact moment. It was really just, I want to help. And how do I help? And like, what is the need for all I know? Every single person already has the same community support that my family did. And, you know, we'll find the diamond in the rough that doesn't. And that definitely was not the case and is not the case where there's just so much need in the community and a lot of people that are are going at this alone. So fascinating. So you found this, not only was this a, a personal passion project, but you saw this incredible need because a lot of families have nobody. They have no one to create and craft these meals, or they don't have the funds or the resources to be able to afford restaurant quality meals when they're at the hospital. So how did you begin with your outreach? Take me through just kind of the nuts and bolts of starting this business. Yeah, I was working full time for about two and a half years while starting culinary care. So it was completely volunteer based. And so a lot of it was initially built just around that. Like we had no funding. It was really just like an idea. And it was just a way of like really volunteerism. Like I just really want to help people. And how do I do this? And how do I just connect them to a meal? And how do I find them? How do I know that? someone out there might need this support. So we started working with organizations like Gilda's Club, um, which is incredible. And so we had flyers in their resource room. um, And then those flyers started trickling into the hospitals and cancer centers. We were at the Ronald McDonald House delivering restaurant meals there for about 25 months. And we were just really doing 
everything that we could to just say, we're out here, we're here for you if you need us. And if you would like a restaurant meal, like we think that it just brings you so much comfort and joy and just will reduce the stress of the day. And so we're here for you if you need it. And I remember we delivered our very first meal and we actually dropped it off to a woman at Gilda's Club. And we delivered her at the time, it was just one person, one meal. Here you go. This is this is what we can do. Do you remember where it was from? Do you remember what restaurant it was? From Maggiano's. Ah, yeah, wonderful. So, so comfort, <laughs> Italian, comfort delicious. <laughs> so Maggiano, this Maggiano's, wonderful Maggiano's meal shows up with this woman. What was that experience yeah. like, that very first one? It was, I mean, it was really... I think we were all just really proud and excited to be able to actually do something. And I think really in the moment, it was just sort of delivering, it was just delivering a meal. And it was like, oh, this is amazing. And she was, you know, emotional about it and, and was able to take it home, but it wasn't like we were sitting down and, and having the meal with her. And so I did ask her if you could write just like a little bit about, you know, what the experience was and, you know, just anything that, that comes to mind. And she ended up writing four pages, like wow. a whole notebook of what the experience was like for her. And I was just, it was just, it set up the tone, I feel like for the rest of the organization and still just like what we strive to achieve every day today. We'll have more on this conversation in just a minute. But first, thank you to our sponsors. To Dine For, the podcast is brought to you by American National, offering a broad suite of insurance solutions to protect what matters most to you. There's a funny thing about most insurance commercials, whether they feature lizards or birds or funny cartoon characters. It seems like they want you to think about anything but insurance. American National, on the other hand, has real local agents who get to know you so they can help you reach better decisions about your insurance to make sure you're protecting what matters most to you. American National agents are part of your community. They're your neighbors. So whether it's solutions for your home, your small business, your farm, or your life, you can count on your local American National agent to make sure you get the discounts you deserve and the protection you need without paying for extras you don't. With American National, you get an ally, not just a web page. For a description of the American National companies, the products they write in the states in which they're licensed, visit AmericanNational.com dine. If you're like me, there are times when you want to feel like you're having a fancy cocktail, but you don't actually want the alcohol. So I love Kentucky 74 from Spiritless. It's a distilled, non-alcoholic spirit for your favorite bourbon cocktails, but with just 15 calories per serving and none of the guilt. You can pre-order your bottle today at spiritless.com. Use the promo code to dine for to get free shipping. Now back to our conversation. How do you choose the restaurants? We, everything is, was donated, well, I guess pre, pre-pandemic, <laughs> um, we work with just restaurants that were able to donate meals. So a lot of it was like high quality, high capacity. Um, so a place like Maggiano's that knows that is able to produce a lot of really amazing meals every day. Something that we really looked for. Everything had to be like four star ratings or above. And that still stands today. So let's talk about the pain points that you, when you first started and you tried to scale this, because you are, you started in Chicago. Are you still just Chicago based? We are just in Chicago uh, for now. So, (laughs) so at the beginning, when you are trying to get this off the ground, Obviously, I would think you are paying these restaurants for the food. So is the pain point trying to get the funding to pay the restaurants? So we actually have two different, I guess, like the pre-pandemic and and (laughs) post-pandemic model that has now transitioned to. So initially, 
all of our meals were donated. And so it was really just a matter of staff capacity. So if we have like, you know, our own team, because we're delivering meals to hospitals. So we had volunteers and staff and, you know, the volunteers would help us increase our capacity. And then we would go out and get more meals if we needed them to be donated. That was how it initially worked for about seven years. <laughs> so it was all donations. Uh, up it until was... 2020, it was all meal donations. Some of it we did pay for. We had just like a growing meal fund because we were getting so many more requests that it was just a balance. So it was. And how were you paying yourself? Was everyone a volunteer? No, it was for two and a half years. It was. So in 2015, we actually hit a point where we had so many requests coming in, I just had to jump in full time and be able to deliver meals and then raise funds so we could continue to deliver more meals because we were just getting more and more requests. So yeah, I came on full time in 2015. And then from there, we actually hired a second driver. So it was just me and one other person and then a mix of volunteers and then, you know, continue to grow from there. So first of all, I'm just so amazed by you. I I love that you've taken a difficult moment in your life. You look for the absolute positive, which was being able to connect with your dad over a meal, which is at the heart of what to dine for is about. It's about telling incredible stories over delicious meals and having that moment. Mm -hmm. What is also amazing is that you started small and you scaled. And in 2015, you jump into the mix. No one ever taught you. You had to kind of figure it out. Please, <laughs> please take me from that moment on getting your first real funding to pay yourself and to pay your driver. How did that process, and, and, and also the process of outreach to companies to partner with you and sponsor, what was that like for you? Yeah, I think that is um, the one thing that I was glad to have a skill set in being in PR and marketing, which was what my day job while starting this. And so that really taught me get on the phone, be persistent, how to craft stories and send emails. Uh, but I think persistence is probably the biggest, <laughs> the biggest one. Were you getting, I mean, your, your, your organization has such a dynamic vision and, and mission. Were you getting a lot of no's from companies? There's a balance. We definitely do. I mean, I think every business gets, you You definitely get no's, but I think in the nonprofit space, it's not necessarily a hard no as much as it is a not right now. Like we're supporting, we've committed to these other causes, check back in in a few years, or, you know, we'd love to volunteer or do something. Mm-hmm. And so that's always the really amazing thing about being on the charitable side is that, you know, people really do want to help and they want to see you successful. And so, you know, just finding the, the right way to fit them into what you're doing today and what they're able to do. Who are your funders now and who who was who is really driving this from a financial perspective? Yeah, I would say our biggest fundraising event is actually our corporate cook-off. And so we have companies all across Chicago that get to work with a local chef in the years past, they've been cooking. So it's like a sort of our version of chopped. So they get in the kitchens and actually prepare a meal this year. They'll be designing a dish with the chef and that will actually go onto the menu and get featured on the menu. So we'll be releasing when you can actually go and sample (laughs) the dishes that these teams have created, but that is our biggest, that has been our biggest fundraiser since 2015. That was like my only focus when I jumped in full-time in 2015 was just making sure we could get sponsors for this event. So when you go out and seek help and funding for this, is it a question of asking companies directly or trying to get them involved in this fundraiser? Really, it's been a lot of just asking them to get involved in this fundraiser, um, which is just a great way to get involved, get introduced to the mission. You know, you get to engage your employees around something fun and unique and different, which is really what we 
wanted to do um, when we created this event in the very beginning was, you know, what's going to be like our different take than just your standard gala? How many people are you reaching? How many people, how many meals are you delivering? Give me a sense of the scope of the organization now. 2020, we did around 6,500 meals. So just continuing on, on that pace and, you know, finding new ways to reach patients and continue to grow. Are you working directly with hospitals? We are, yeah. I mean, right now there's more of a need than ever before for that because patients are not really allowed to bring, potentially some are not allowed to bring a guest at all, while others are allowed to bring, you know, maybe one caregiver with them. And so what used to be providing these hospital meals and some people needed it more than others. Now everyone is sitting alone potentially and and doesn't really have the ability to go out or that friend to go out and get the meal. So making sure that we can be there for them is really, really important. Yeah, the pandemic probably has changed the need even more so because of that. And people are really sitting alone, whether they have COVID or not, in all these different medical situations by themselves and the the loneliness that goes with that. And then the need for that kind of connection and warm meal. Yeah, I mean, cancer is always very isolating. I remember, you know, at the beginning of March of last year, getting on the phone with our patients, asking them how they were feeling and what was going on. And, you know, some of them were just like, this is welcome to my world. Like, this is what I've been living. Um, You know, I'm catching a cold was scary for me. And so a lot of them weren't really able to dine out at restaurants before. So it's a lot of things that we take for granted that they were not able to experience before. Um, And now it's just making sure other touch points, you know, we love being able to go into the actual treatment center and say hi and interact with them face to face, which we aren't able to do anymore. So now we're finding new ways to be able to say hi and let them know like there really is a person behind every delivery and a community that's thinking about you. We care about you. We want you to eat. We want you to fight this and, and just have the best experience possible. So sometimes it's more about just showing someone you care and to be yeah. that for them or just to have that presence is so powerful. Yeah, it really is probably the number one thing that we get comments about is, you know, oh, you know, the meal is incredible. That should just be standard for the restaurants that we work with. <laughs> we expect that the food should always be amazing. But I think a big part of what our mission is about is the emotions that come with a meal. Like, why do we all love dining out? What about it is makes us feel, you know, this sense of comfort and connection with our friends, our family members. And, you know, from a chef's perspective, you know, they're designing these meals to to bring emotions into your life. And so for a lot of what we hear, it's providing hope or just that sense of normalcy or, you know, being able to know that a complete stranger is out there thinking about what you're going through and what that must be like. And, you know, not everyone is as receptive to that. And so it is really, it has been really surprising to just hear some of the stories from, from our families of how their families have reacted in different ways. And some people don't know how to navigate, you know, a loved one being diagnosed with cancer. And so instead of stepping up, they, they sort of step back because they don't know what to do and they don't know what to say. And so that's where a lot of, you know, being able to have this community that really knows what to do and just wants to do something makes the world of difference. So a lot of emotions come through. So what's it like when you think about all that you've done and the fact that this is now your, your mission, your calling, what is your, are you CEO, founder? What's your, what's your title? <laughs> yeah, I guess the president and founder. The president and founder, uh, which but, is amazing. Yeah. Well, when you think about this journey of this eight year journey, what do you think about? 
there's a lot to be done, <laughs> a lot more work to do. For me, it's it was always a chance to really talk about my dad, which has been really nice. So that's just an element of it is, you know, every day I get to be able to have a reason to keep his memory alive. But then also just knowing that being able to just share a meal and know that somebody else is able to sit down with their family and, you know, be able to have that same experience that, that my family was, or just being able to just simply enjoy, enjoy a meal together. I think it's just, is so important. So just, I love food. So (laughs) (laughs) I do too. Believe me. What was your dad's first name? Barry. Barry. Barry White. He was very white. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. The caller ID days were very fun. Oh, I love it. So let's uh, tip our hat and and clink glasses to to Barry White. Uh, When you think of what's ahead for culinary care, what is your vision? What would you like to see happen? My vision from day one is that no one feels like they have to skip a meal. And that's something that I've just learned through this experience and through these eight years is, you know, it's so easy because you're so exhausted and loss of appetite is really common, um, a common treatment side effect. And so it's just, you know, the idea that someone is not able to go through the day and and look forward to a meal or have that conversation of like, what's for lunch or what's for dinner um, or what are we having this weekend? Like, I just think food really gets you through, whether it's a day, a week, a month, just giving you that sort of placeholder to look forward to and that hope. And so that's really the ultimate goal is, you know, just, being able to be there. So no one feels like they have to skip a meal today. It's like, you should have a place that you can go to or someone you can call and that place can either be a friend or, or it can be culinary care, but just knowing that you have that, that resource available, I think it's so important. You, you delivered 6,500 meals last year. Do you have a goal or a vision from like a, a numerical standpoint? Are you hoping to expand to other cities just for kind of a big picture viewpoint? Yeah, right now we've been on the path to hopefully reach 100,000 meals by our 10-year anniversary. So that will be 2023. You know, that may may include expanding into other cities. It's definitely something that we have been getting requests about since day one. You know, there's clearly just a huge need for it, not only in Chicago, but just everywhere. And so that has definitely been on our mind and it's something we're planning for. How can people help you? You know, when when people hear this this incredible story of yours and they want to support you. How, how can they help? What do you need the most? Right now, the best, best way to help is joining our monthly giving community. It's called The Line, which was actually named after the line chefs at all of our favorite restaurants because they're working behind the scenes. You don't often get to interact with them, but they are all these small components that they're making make the meal possible. Mm. And that's sort of what this community is about. It's just, you know, whether it's a month, $30 a month, some are giving $100 a month. Every dollar adds up and delivers 100% of the funds through that community are being used to purchase more meals because that was one of the biggest transitions that we had to navigate with this pandemic was going from almost 100% of our meals being donated to 100% now being paid for. Um, And so they're actually every $10 that they give through that community is going and purchasing a meal. So it's not only supporting our patients and making sure that we can deliver a meal to them, but also going directly to into the restaurants as well and going to them. So you mentioned uh, Magianos. Let's give a shout out to some of the other restaurants that are part of your yeah. organization and provide meals. 
Yeah, there is Doc Bees is one of our biggest partners as Love well. Um, yeah, they're they're amazing. Um, a lot in the Let Us Entertain You group. Yes, so Let Us Entertain You. They're incredible. <laughs> yeah, um, Rosebud and Carmines. A lot of the household names yes. here in Chicago are are supporting the cause. So that's yeah. fantastic. And if There's... they if they aren't already, feel free to let them know that that we're here and. and we love their support. I, I'm really uh, so amazed by your story. I wish you the best of luck. Because if there's anything our community, our To Dine For community can do to help you, please let us know. We would love to partner and amplify not only your story, but what you're doing and the power of dining at restaurants and connecting, especially for those who are in need. We are very much would love to continue this connection and conversation and really help you in amazing. any way we can, Courtney. That would be amazing. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Well, cheers to Barry and thank you for sharing your story. (laughs) Oh, thank you so much for having me on. Thanks for listening to To Dine For The Podcast. For more information on the show, the guests and the podcast, head to todinefortv.com. You can find us on Instagram at todinefortv and Facebook at todinefor with Kate Sullivan. Thanks to the sponsors of To Dine For The Podcast, American National and Spiritless. Special thank you to producer and sound editor John Golner. To the loyal followers of this program, cheers, stay hungry, and stay inspired. I'll see you back at the table soon. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.